Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Wednesday, May the 24th. And as we like to do once a week, we'll be chatting with our friend George Rodriguez uh, from South Texas. Uh, George, welcome. Is it going to rain down there? Because I think we're going to get some like rain it. up it here. It certainly looks like it. <laughs> yeah. They, we had some this morning, and it looks like we're going to get some more. It is amazing. I mean, considering that we're almost 400 miles apart, it is amazing how similar the temperatures can be or the weather. Yeah. I mean, a weather report in San Antonio is not that much different than a weather report in Dallas. And it is 400 miles apart. Well, not 400, maybe 300. But, you know, it's. I do think it's a little warmer down there than it normally is up here. But, yeah. But statistically, they say about a few degrees, as, as they say. Well, let's get into a few topics. And I just want to quickly say up front that uh, – Somebody that we grew up listening to, Tina Turner, passed away. I didn't realize she was 83 years old. I thought she was in her 70s. Yeah, but so did I. And, but then so when I looked at her little, they had a little news story, she was recording with her husband back in, in the early 60s. So she was around even before the Beatles. Correct. Uh, so, so she was uh, amazing. She started, I think she was actually a teenager when she first started uh, recording with, with Ike Turner. Yeah, that, that would make sense. Yeah, that would make sense because I, I remember they sang together and and she was very young, you're right, when, when they sang together uh, back uh, back many years ago. So I understand she was suffering from some illness. And again, I didn't know any of that. I didn't know that, she was, that she'd been having health problems, but uh, apparently so. And then on a more uh, positive note, Bob Dylan, somebody that you and I grew up listening to, is 82 years old today. Incredible. It is. Now, here's, here's the trivia question, George. You'll get everybody with this one. You're not going to miss one. You'll get everybody with this one. What was his real name? Zimmerman, I believe. It That's was. it. Robert Zimmerman, born Zimmerman. in Minnesota, uh, the last place in the world that this little town in uh, in Minnesota, the last place in the world that you would think you, you would produce somebody like Bob Dylan, but there yeah. he was. Uh, there he was. By the way, I have a. There's a lady that I've met through Cuban activities. Uh, she wrote a book, a uh, book about Cuba, and a uh, very nice lady who has written a great deal about Cuba. When she was in high school, she and Bob Dylan were in the same school up in Minnesota. No kidding. And they even went to a dance together. <laughs> so that uh, just shows you what a small world it is. So 82 years old. Mr. Tambourine Man is 82 yeah. years old. I, that's one of my favorite songs, Mr. Tambourine Man. Well, let's take a look at the, some of the serious stuff. Uh, 
just very quickly, I have a post over at the American Thinker today talking about our friend Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, president uh, of Mexico, who has just been declared persona non grata down in Peru. I think it's great. I think it's great. I mean, my goodness, the Peruvians, they they did this one just right. Now, he deserves it. He was sticking his nose in Peruvian electoral politics. And then the other big thing is that, you know, they've got this presidency of what they call the Pacific Club, which is a group of nations on the Pacific. And it's a presidency that is rotated like every six months. It's kind of honorary. And the president of the country gets it. And he has refused to give it to the president (laughs) of Peru because I guess he doesn't like the president of Peru. Uh, Which is hysterical because, I mean, he's He's attempted to do the same thing in the United States when um, recently when when the Republican uh, when some Republican senators uh, called him out, uh, including Congressman uh, Chip Roy here in here in yes. Texas. Uh, he threatened to uh, to campaign against them. <laughs> but here's the thing, you know, you and I are familiar with Mexico. That was always a sin. For Mexican presidents Correct. to stick their noses in other, because they always said, "Hey, your business, your business. You know, don't come to us. We won't come to you." Exactly. And this guy, I guess, decided that he's too important. And so I, uh, I just shows the the amount of insecurity and immaturity that this man has. Yes. Well, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Uh, and if anybody in the audience ever wants to experience a uh, a moment in the twilight zone you know, your own little chapter of the Twilight Zone, I would encourage you to watch his morning press conferences uh, where he sits there every morning. He's got a press conference. They're called Every morning. Yeah, and they're called Mañaneras. Mañaneras, that's what they're called. And he uh, he does this every, every day. And he's very clever. I'll give him that. But if anybody wants to sort of get a taste of what the Twilight Zone would be like, if Rod Sterling were writing a chapter or an episode of the Twilight Zone president. today, that that would be his topic. One of these uh, morning press well, conferences. And, you know what's fascinating also to me, uh, Silvio, is that um, he is a useful fool, a useful fool and tool for um, for the cartels. So therefore, you know, any real opposition to him, I don't think that that really does exist. Well, and that's it. And of course. You know, uh, we had the opportunity on Sunday night to, to chat with uh, a very, uh, very, uh, very nice and, and very smart young woman from from Pulse News Mexico, uh, who wrote an article about fentanyl coming into Mexico uh, from China and eventually getting to the United States. And he's, you know, he's starting to this problem of fentanyl is getting closer to him. I don't mean that he's personally involved with it. I'm not suggesting that. But I'm just saying closer to Mexico. And it's, it's harder and harder for Mexico to say, we have nothing to do with this. Correct. Uh, because it's, it, it's it, you know, there was a story in, the, in one of the local newspapers, uh, El Universal, there was a big story about this. And that's what uh, this uh, website, Mexico Pulse News, uh, wrote about and uh, the correspondent's name at uh, Mexico Pole News is Keelan Dillon, uh, a young woman from the United States who lives down there. So anyway, he's got problems down in Mexico. He really does. Uh, you know, it's very, very uh, annoying uh, to me how the media 
uh, both down there, which is controlled, uh, but the media up here just doesn't expose the this man uh, much more so, especially Univision and Telemundo. I think that there there could be so much more that could be said about his theatrics than uh, than it has been said. Yeah, I don't know. I think Univision and Telemundo. Honestly, my experience is that they only talk about Mexico when the issue is immigration. Exactly. They don't seem that they think that that's the only topic that. And so much of the whole immigration issue is tied to their to to their failed politics. Yes, of course. But uh, you know, Univision and and to some extent Telemundo, uh, that's all they do. The only time they 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 think that Mexico exists is when they they want to talk about immigration, and and I just think that's a real shortcoming Correct. of these two networks to provide their their viewers with a better understanding. Uh, of what's going on down there. I mean, I think the man is very dangerous. I really do. Well, yeah. Uh, and he's dangerous to Mexican stability, political stability. Uh, now he's up for, he's not up for re-election, but his term expires, I guess, in 2024. And maybe he'll just, you know, retire and uh, and go away. But I don't know. I, I, I really don't. I think he's a very dangerous man. I really do. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think the the guy... Uh, since the day that he got in with his posturing, with his rhetoric, I think he's damaged uh, American relationships uh, really, really badly. Well, I think so. I mean, I think so. He's having a lot of problems up here. The Democrats don't want to talk about it because they don't want to criticize the, you know, the Biden border policy. So they stay away from it. They sort of restrain from saying anything about it, thinking that you know, that way they won't get in trouble with the White House. Although there are some Democrats who are talking about it. I mean, the mayor of, of New York City is going berserk. I mean, he doesn't know what to do. I mean, he is calling on, on the White House to to clean up the, the border. I mean, it, it's amazing. I, I You know, I didn't know that the mayor of New York City was a disciple of Donald Trump when it came to the border. Yeah, but he really. sure sounds like it. Amazing. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about Texas. We have a lot to to talk about. Uh, I also wrote a post at the American Thinker about Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, who is going to be seeking re-election in 2024. At the time, or at the moment, there are two Democrats who are running against him, or at least are the public, uh, their, their public statements would suggest that they're running against Ted Cruz. One is Senator Gutierrez from South Texas and Representative Allred, from up here. I honestly don't know which one is would be more difficult for for Senator Cruz because as I wrote in my post and I, I want to get your reaction to this as I wrote in my post I think they both have the same problem what I call the 254 problem. There's 254 counties in Texas and I'm not sure Allred or Gutierrez can compete in all of them. Uh so that's the first problem. Second problem I think that they have is that in 2024, the Democrats have a bad electoral map when it comes to the Senate. They're going to have to defend West Virginia. They're going to have to defend Montana. They're going to have to defend Ohio. Those three right there right now are leaning Republicans. So if they were to lose those three, you know, instead of 51, they're down to 48. So they don't have a majority anymore. So they're going to have to use a lot of their resources to save the seats that they have and that I think will will simply say to them, "Don't waste your money in Texas, George." So that's my analysis. How about yours? 
I agree. I think that uh, that that is going to be a very very difficult um, battle for them. I mean, particularly since they've poured in so much money. The Democrats have poured in so much money into other uh, into other campaigns or other races that they came away defeated. Uh, the two that I'm thinking of are, first of all, uh, Beto uh, twice uh, when he ran when he ran against um, Cruz. Uh, the last time, and then when he ran uh, for governor. And uh, in both cases, he's come up short. The second thing is that um, uh, I really uh, do believe that um, they've got to, you know, these two individuals that the Democrats are grooming uh, have got to um, present themselves as viable alternatives other than just anti-Cruz. Uh, now, the thing that does worry me, though, the thing that does worry me is what kind of campaign Cruz is going to run, because I was not happy with the way that he ran uh, against uh, Beto uh, in the senatorial campaign. I mean, Beto uh, ran a very, very strong one, a very, very smart one, and he came very, very close. Uh, still not close enough, and, and um, you know, even though uh, Ted didn't run uh, a, a strong campaign. This time around, the media is really, really, the, the mainstream media uh, is really focusing on Texas and on Cruz. I mean, they want to come after him. They want to expose him. They want to ridicule him. They want to provide as much negative, negative uh, uh, publicity uh, as possible, and that could hurt him. That, that, that could dissuade a lot of voters from turning out. Uh, or it might even turn them turn them against him. Yeah. Well, it, it's an interesting interesting point because I think we also remember 2024 is going to be a presidential year, so the right. turnout at the top is going to be a lot greater. Uh, so you're going to have more people vote than what happened in 18. That was a midterm election, so you don't always have the same number of people voting. What I'm hoping is that Senator Cruz takes a look at what Senator Cornyn did and what uh, the governor did in 2022, and focus or try to imitate those campaigns. Exactly. Uh, governor Abbott did something very smart the last time. From a very early moment, he started to go after Beto O'Rourke and basically paint him as out of the mainstream in Texas. Now, there were <laughs> Governor Abbott had a lot of help from Beto O'Rourke. Who I mean, if you went to YouTube, I mean, my goodness, Beto O'Rourke. I mean, there was like a collection of things that he said on YouTube. I mean, you you didn't even need to do research; it was all right there. Uh, So that helped. But no, no, no question that these two candidates. I find them interesting, George. I find Senator Gutierrez, at least so far, to be a one-issue candidate, and that's gun control. Gun gun control. Uvalde. 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 Yeah. Today, today is uh, the anniversary. A big deal. Yes. Today is a big deal for for uh, for Gutierrez. He is out there right now, carrying on about guns, 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 and uh, and and what's really sad is how the uh, some of the some of the uh, families that were affected uh, by that tragedy, how they are being uh, used as as, as uh, fodder. In this uh, in this fight, uh, it, it's really tragic that that uh, Democrats are so shameless as to use tragedies uh, for uh, for their political gain. 
I don't know exactly. I mean, somehow Ted and the Republicans have got to uh, counter that. Uh, it, it, the, uh, the leftists have made a home in Del Rio since that time, uh, organizing people and screaming and yelling at any issue, at any issue by screaming and yelling about gun control, any issue, whether it's the environment, whether it's immigration, immediately they, they, they pirouette and they use gun control. And that's something that we need, uh, that conservatives need to address. Right. Well, you got to have a reply to it, of course. Exactly. And uh, I mean, their their point of view is purely emotional. Uh, like you say, they're exploiting the families of these twenty-something uh, kids who were killed. I mean, what a horrible thing that happened in Uvalde. Uh, but what they don't seem to have is any solutions to prevent the next one. Exactly. Uh, and that and that's the problem. They, exactly. All they want to do is say, "What a terrible thing that happened." Okay, that everybody agrees that it was a terrible thing that happened, but uh, maybe we can work at some solutions like making sure that the doors are locked in yeah. the schools. Why don't we do something sensible like no, that? No, you know, you know it, it, that and the, uh, the mental state of the, of the yes. individual, of the shooter, right. um, not to mention the family itself. The family was, uh, was a mess. Yes. That contributed to his, uh, to his not being diagnosed or, or uh, properly treated. I mean, there are, there are so many elements to this thing apart from the gun, but right. the gun is, is the focus. Well, they, they go crazy with the guns, of course, and, and they somehow want us to believe that gun, guns go off by themselves. Exactly. You know, which, of course, was not the case here. Here you yeah. had a young man. Here you had a young man who, I mean, this young man w was walking around with, uh, I mean, and, I, and I, I know I don't want to hurt the family of the young man, but. He was walking around with a, with something written on his head saying, please stop me from exactly. doing something bad. Exactly. I mean, this guy was sending out all the signals. Uh, had there been a responsible parent in that family, they would have seen that. Now, I understand the grandmother was raising him, but, but I mean, this young man was, still, was, was, it, was... Still, the fact of the matter is, and this is one of the big fights or one of the big contentions that is going on in many, many communities is the issue of folks who are, uh, are mentally disturbed and dangerous. Now, the degree of the, mentally, of the mental instability uh, can be minor or can be major. But the thing is that at some point, there has got to be some type of focus on that individual before they get to the, in, to, right. to, uh, to the violence. And, uh, and, and on that, the family's got to participate. Right. And if you look at the different incidents that we've had here recently, that young woman who was a transgender in Nashville who walked yeah. into the Christian school, uh, the other fellow who walked into the bank and killed some people, in both of those instances, you know, after they kill somebody, after they do what they did, then you immediately find out that, well, you know, the family was concerned about them having guns. Well, exactly. If the family is concerned about you having a gun, why doesn't the family do something, do something about, about it? it. Like, uh, at the very least, call the police or at the very least uh, have them committed. Yeah, or whatever. But I mean, this young woman, the, the, the transgender uh, case in Nashville, I mean, the mother was concerned that she had a gun I think the mother was concerned that she would kill herself. That's my my yeah. my sense. And but again, the, I mean, if if they're whether it's violence against somebody else or violence against themselves, you know, 
do something about it. And yeah, I mean, I'm everybody's open to better, you know, to better supervising of people with mental health issues. But you, you know, the people around them have got to step up and say, hey, you know, you got a problem. Let me, let me try to help you. Now, then you have other crazy incidents like the, the other fellow, the one who killed all these Central American, that Central American family. Uh, the fellow from Mexico had been deported four times. So what is a guy who has been deported four times doing with a gun in the first place? Exactly. Not supposed to have it if you are that he much had, of a... And again, the, 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 the phrase is that he had illegal uh, access to a gun. Well, that word illegal is very, very big. <laughs> sure is, yeah. So, so so that's what I think Gutierrez is going to be writing this, yes, this gun exactly. control thing. Uh, but on the other hand, Allred seems to be more of a, he wants to be like a vanilla type of candidate. Yeah, right. He doesn't want to be. And I'm not sure that's going to work. No, because he's got to win the primary. Exactly. You know, at face value, what does the Democrat Party have to offer right now? You know, 325 a gallon gas. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, well, actually, it could be higher than that. Uh, an open border. Cities out of control. I mean, uh, what do they have to offer? They don't have a lot to offer, and uh, and that's why they play on pure emotions. I mean, exactly. that's what they do. They just play on pure emotions and get people to get angry, but they don't necessarily Frighten. have solutions. Frightened, yeah, solutions. Uh, so, you know, yes, we can do more about mental health. We can do more. Uh, if you want to, If you want to do a background check, I have no problem with that. The background check doesn't do you any good if the information is not in the it's background. Correct. I mean, that's the problem uh, with this kind of thing. Well, a couple of things uh, from the legislature. Uh, the legislature is right now underway in, in Texas. For those who are not from Texas, we don't have a full-time legislature. They meet every two years, and they're in session right now. That's very typical, I think, of many states in the, in the union. They have what they call part-time legislatures. And uh, so one of the big issues that has come out, and I think, in fact, the governor has already signed this, it, it's a law which strips cities of their ability to, I like to say, go woke. I mean, because, yes. <laughs> and, and basically the, the cities, you know, they, well, San Antonio, you're living in one city right there where, you know, they've got this crazy city council that will defund the police and do all the Austin, not too far from you. And I, I guess the, the legislature says, you're not going to do that anymore. We're, we're not going to let you. Now, some would argue, George, and you being originally from Texas, uh, you might agree with this. Uh, some would argue that we're taking away the sovereignty of some of these cities. That's what the argument is. That's the argument. That's it. Now, my argument against that is, well, if the state passes a law, for example, abortion, you don't have the authority to overrule the state. Exactly. So that's the other side, which, of meant, which is what is happening in these in these communities. What these folks forget, uh, the, the ones that I mean, it's a double edged sword. Yes, I will agree that it's a double edged sword, because if we ever got a liberal governor and a liberal uh, uh, legislature, heaven help us. But the fact of the matter is this, is that we've got cities, particularly like Austin, particularly like Austin, which all of these legislatures are sitting there looking at it that has completely gone off the uh, off the rails uh, defunding the police they have they just passed they just had an election where they defunded the police even further 
I mean, it was bad enough. Now that's gone further. They also have a, uh, a city ordinance that allows homeless people to virtually live anywhere they want, including on private property. They have also set up a, a um, uh, several uh, agencies within the, the, the city structure that do nothing except spend money on all sorts of woke issues. Now, that has become the focus. On top of that, you know, the city of Austin is screaming and yelling, you know, they're taking away uh, local rights. Only 20, less than 20%, less than 20%, I think it was something like 18% of the registered voters in Austin have actually participated and voted in any of these ordinances that have been passed. That is the same situation in San Antonio. For them to say that it's the will of the people is far from it. The problem that we've got in that aspect of it, of getting people, uh, of getting people excited or going to the polls, is the media itself. The, Sa the, the, the San Antonio media, the uh, Austin media, does not do anything to cover accurately the impact of these ordinances until it's after done. After it's done, then they, they start clamoring about the need for more money to more, for more projects. Right. All of this is going on, and uh, and then they scream and yell that the that, you know that the uh, state shouldn't do this. The state should. This is to save the citizen. We have got to protect, particularly when it comes to defunding the police. We have got to figure out how we can protect the citizens and the citizens' property. And right. that is something that that uh, these radical liberals don't want. They don't even believe in private property. Right. Well, and that's the thing. And, and the other the other issue, too, is you remember when when in San Antonio they wanted to shut down Chick-fil-A. Yes. I guess because Chick-fil-A, yeah. um, I, I guess because Chick-fil-A has Christian owners. Exactly. Who, who I guess, um, have positions on marriage or oh, abortion. Because they, because they only don't they donated to Christian. Uh, exactly. To Christian. Uh, you know, again. And that is that that besides the fact that uh, the city of San Antonio, uh, Dallas County, Harris County have all declared themselves, uh, all, Travis County have all declared themselves as uh, sanctuaries right. for uh, for illegal aliens that uh, that the, the police and the um, and the sheriff's deputies don't have to um, uh, participate or support immigration laws. Right. And, and of course, that was. Yeah, what, no, exactly. And, but that was shut down a couple of years ago when the governor signed that. Yeah, I mean, but they but they keep doing it because they, they you're right. They go around they go around the state law. Yeah. But I mean, I'm all for local control. Uh, but you have to you, you cannot go against against laws against laws if, that if the you, state if passes. If you don't like a law, then uh, then campaign against it and and try to change it. The situation also is the same thing with abortion. San Antonio has declared itself an abortion-free, uh, a, a pro-abortion city right. or sanctuary. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Uh, it hasn't, but they've declared themselves such. Yeah, and, and what that means is that they don't have to respect the law. That's what they're saying. That the state legislature passed. Exactly. Well, if the cities are not well, going the to Supreme be... the Supreme Court, but the Supreme yeah. Court ruled. Exactly. The Supreme Court said it's a state issue, so the state legislature passed a law exactly. restricting abortion, which in Texas, it means we call it the heartbeat law, meaning that if the baby has a heartbeat, there cannot be an abortion. That's basically the way it is in Texas. So it could be eight weeks, 10 weeks, I guess, depending on the pregnancy. But the city of some of these cities have said, well, we're not going to obey that. 
Exactly. Well, that's not how it works. The sheriff, the sheriff of Bear County, actually had a a, um, a press conference where he said that he was not going to support it. I mean, okay. So what does that mean? Other than all you're doing is undermining uh, the rule of law. And it, it does have, George. One last point about this: it does have a um, an economic impact as well because businesses pull out. Yeah. You know, the businesses will pull out. I think there's something very interesting. I don't know if this is true in San Antonio, but certainly true in Dallas, in the Dallas area. If you look at, at the North Texas area, we're the number one or number two relocation destination yeah. in the country. Yes. More and more businesses are moving to North Texas, not just Texas, but to North Texas than anywhere else. I mean, every day the governor seems to have an announcement about another company uh, coming here. So if... But if you look at where they go, that's the interesting part. If you look at where they actually move into, where the address is, they're not moving into Dallas. No. They're moving into Frisco. I mean, if you just Same look at here in San Antonio, they're not exactly. moving to San Antonio, they're moving outside the Exactly. So they don't, you know, they don't put their you would corporate think that, that would be a hint. Yeah, you would think that's a hint. And 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 that's part of the problem that they don't move into Dallas, they move into the Dallas area. Yeah. Okay. But the, the Dallas area is, you know, six million people uh, in North Texas. It's a big area, and you know, so you drive up on, let's say, the the tollway here going north, and once you get out of the Dallas area, you start seeing all these businesses, all these buildings, <laughs> all these headquarters, and and but you don't see them in the Dallas area. The ones in the Dallas area are the same ones who've always been there, yeah, uh, but not any of the new ones. So I think that's another indication of how these businesses are hurting or these cities are hurting the citizens because when the jobs don't come who are you hurting you're hurting the citizens okay yeah. so anyway so george uh anything else out of the legislature i think we'll probably see a bunch of things happen here do you think school watching, choice watching, will happen uh, well watching the, the thing that i've been watching is what yeah. uh, what is going to come out uh, regarding uh border security um i mean the the you know the, the clamor is that uh the uh, governor and the state legislature should have some time, should enact some kind of law that allows them to deport, arrest, and deport the um, illegal aliens. Well, that's not going to happen. That is flat not going to happen. But they certainly uh, can arrest them for trespassing. They can certainly uh, curtail uh, all sorts of uh, benefits and, and uh, privileges and rights. Um, that uh, can happen. Uh, whether or not it happens will will remain to be seen. Well, they are blocking, though. I think the 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 Texas National Guard yes has done a good job of blocking yes, the have. entrances, so they you have. haven't had the people coming in that you had before. So in that respect, that's it. It, it seems to be working now. Also, another thing, because the property tax uh, and uh, and the school choice, those two are still pending. I still think we will get school choice. The the, the governor is so committed to it that I'm sure he'll pull some kind of a compromise, but that's what it will take. It's got to take a compromise between the rural areas and the suburban areas. Basically, that's what it comes down to, George. A lot of criticism towards the um, Speaker of the Texas State House, Phelan, about him not, uh, not, not supporting or, or, or pulling, pulling uh, the, uh, the bill at the last moment out of committees and all sorts of other things. So. That should be interesting. That politics should be interesting. Yeah, that's it. Because again, these are 
battles within the Republican Party. These, right. uh, these are not battles with Democrats because Democrats don't have enough votes to stop anything. So they're kind of watching. Uh, uh, they're kind of watching the whole thing. Well, George, we'll keep an eye on this the next time. I think it's getting close enough now that maybe in a couple of weeks we should have a full report of of everything that uh, that came out of the legislature. I'm optimistic, and I, I hope that, uh, especially for me, even though I don't have kids in in school anymore, I do like school choice. I think school choice is good for the parents. I think so too. I think yeah. it's good for the kid. Good for the kid. That's right. It's good for the kid, and especially George, those inner city kids. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean those. In, I'm the, telling one you. Of the, I'm telling you. The, these inner cities, whether it's San Antonio, Dallas, or Houston, I mean, look, the Houston school district had to be taken over. Yes. By the state. They are so ba- badly so ma- bad. managed. Yeah. Not to mention the complete and total lack of discipline, and and any kind of academic uh, 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 planning that goes on in those in those cities. I, uh, or in those school districts. I mean, there's a, there are three school districts here in here in San Antonio. All of them, all of them, uh, Hispanic dominated, that are an absolute shambles because uh, mismanagement. There's right. no and That's it. And and they don't seem they seem to be focused more on indoctrination yes. than on education. And that is just killing these kids because when they graduate, they don't need to know. I mean. The indoctrination isn't going to help them keep a job. Knowing they that they are Chicano doesn't matter. Really. Right. I mean, you get out you, there and, and you're going you to compete in the business world. That's, yeah. that's, that's what you get out in the business world. You're competing against Japan or China or India, exactly. especially India, uh, the way they're educating their kids. And, you know, you, you got to know what the heck you're doing. And unfortunately, many of our inner city schools are not teaching or not doing a good job, I think. Uh, and that's where school's co- choice would really help uh, uh, those parents uh, in many of those areas. George, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. You know, the Rangers are in first place. I heard. <laughs> you heard about that. Okay. I've they're heard. they're in first place. They're I've... two games over Houston. So I think you heard about that. Too, I, right? I think I, I've, I've heard a little bit about that. Yes. All right. I, I've been... George and I have a baseball <laughs> rivalry going on here. Yes. Our two teams are battling it out for first place. So. We'll see where that stands. As long as it's not the Yankees, I don't care. That's right. That's right. All right, George, have a great day, and thank you so much uh, for being a part of it. It's always a lot of fun to have you on. Thank you very much. All right. Our good friend George Rodriguez uh, going over some of the the local issues here in Texas, Uh, uh, the the race for the Senate, the U.S. Senate in 2024, very interesting race developing. Our state senator, our U.S. senator, Ted Cruz, Looks like he's going to be running either against U.S. Congressman Allred or State Senator uh, Gutierrez from South Texas. One of those two men seems to be the likely candidate to be running uh, against him. It should be an interesting race. I mean, you have to favor Cruz, but again, you know, you got to run a good campaign. And he didn't uh, the last time. Uh, Hopefully he learned his lesson. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.